W233AH Monticello. Live from Radio Catskill in Liberty, New York, this is special election night coverage on the local edition. I'm Jason Dole, one of your co-hosts this evening, and I'm joined by your other co-host, Patricio Rabayo. Hello, Patricio. Hello, good evening. So, uh, Patricio and I, in fact, everyone here at Radio Catskill, we've been preparing for this night for quite a while, interviewing candidates and others, keeping you informed about voting logistics and deadlines, and so many of your neighbors have been working hard, too, uh, on this day and night, whether it's the candidates and their teams, their supporters, local boards of elections, the folks who work the polls in your community, and then all of us. All of us are also voters as well, so... It's a very community-oriented thing, Election Day. It's a very local thing, and that's appropriate because this Election Day is a very local election. It's a local election year. All of the county legislators are up for election in counties like Sullivan and Ulster. Nearly all of the town supervisors in Delaware County, all of the county commissioners in Wayne County and Pike County, they are all on the ballot today. And uh, being a local edition, it may a local election. It may take a little time before we have some results to talk about, and that's okay because tonight's coverage is not really about that. We will have results and reactions tomorrow morning on Radio Chatskill and on tomorrow night's local edition. Tonight is all about recapping the races, reviewing the stakes, and talking to folks about what they're seeing on the ground this election day. And coming up. To help us do that, we'll be checking in live with reporters for the Times Union, Sullivan County Democrat, The River Reporter, plus Liz Forrest from the Pike County League of Women Voters, and also Sandra Coyer, Oxford Secretary for the Working Families Party for New York. They'll both be joining us this hour. But first, let's start off with a full overview recap of this very local election. Patricio, what have folks been voting on all day? Well, like I say, it's a local election. It's a very big local election. Uh, we have several local seats that are up for grabs, like you said before. All nine seats are available for the legislature, except for two seats are being uncontested. The one closely watched races is that we are watching is District 1, where we have the incumbent Rob Doherty, who is the chairman. He's facing challenger Matt McPhillips. Matt, while is new to running for political office, is known to many as a state aide to Assembly member Aileen Gunther. And most of the Democratic candidates have expressed their opinions about either Rob or the infighting observed at the legislative meetings. Uh, when I spoke to Rob about this, he refuted these claims, stating that they could pass the resolutions that they need to with a super majority. However, public comments during most of these meetings often focus on what the chairman is saying offline and in public meetings. Rob was involved in a defamation lawsuit in which he was found guilty of and defaming his fellow legislature, Louis Alvarez, making this a really a race, a significant race to watch. Another race uh, of interest is in District 5, where we have Kat Scott, who is challenging the incumbent George Conklin. Kat has been an active voice at the legislature meetings, both in person and on social media, particularly concerning about the adult care center management and by Infinite Care, which has taken over for the care for the management of the uh, care center and has been in decline in care as of recent. In District 9, uh, one seat was left vacant by Alan Sorensen, who did not seek re-election. The chair is being uh, vied for by the mayor of Monticello, George Nicolatis, a Democrat who's running against an unknown candidate in Sullivan County. While this candidate is unknown in Sullivan County, is known in Ulster County. 
Terry Bosser Bernardo. She previously ran for the state senate in the 51st district and was the Ulster County chairman at one point. And let's take a look uh, on the other side of the river. Uh, Wayne County, all three seats are up for grabs. We have Jocelyn Kramer, a Democrat and the incumbent. Brian Smith, a Democrat, also an incumbent. And and also we have uh, a challenger, Michael Doherty, who is the Democrat. He'll be interesting because the incumbents have expressed their desire to continue to work together. And in Pike County, we see a similar situation where all three seats are up for grabs. And we have four candidates there. The contenders are including... Challenger Krista Caceres, a Democrat. Incumbents are Anthony Waldron, Matt Olstenberg, both are Democrats, and also Ron Schmeisel, a Republican. The county faces, uh, Pike County faces some healthcare challenges given the absence of a hospital and the impending arrival of a large warehouse in Milford. And uh, we're looking at some of the uh, local races in Fallsburg because uh, most of the most of the races in town supervisors, all but two, uh, are running unopposed. In Fallsburg, we have a supervisor race heating up with the incumbent Kathy Rappaport faces challenger Michael Ben Simon. Many other supervisors are set of running unopposed. Uh, so we expect it to be a very exciting night, uh, late night. As I said, many of the, many of these year off, off year elections typically see lower voter turnout. Uh, but some races can be only decided by a few votes. Well, along the lines of the lower voter turnout, we're going to get to our first live guest uh, coming up, but we actually have reporting from Karen DeWitt in Albany, who's looking at the early voting numbers and uh, says that they're looking low. Uh, Karen DeWitt reports turnout varied depending on where some competitive races were held. According to numbers released by the New York State Board of Elections, just over 3% of voters cast their ballots during early voting, which ended Sunday. The board's Kathleen McGrath says that number is about the same as previous off-year elections that feature only local races. Early voting unofficially, uh, we we had just shy of 400,000 early voters in New York State over the nine days of early voting. Um, That is Somewhat on par with 2021, the last odd year where there was just about 409,000. In counties where there are competitive races like Albany, Erie, Ulster, and Columbia, the early voter turnout ranged from 5.5% to over 7.5%. Susan Lerner is with Common Cause, a government reform group that championed early voting. She says when voters perceive that there's something at stake, they will appear at the polls. People are very responsive to the uh, importance they place on their vote in a particular race. We see this over and over again, that if there is a competitive race in which voters are very interested, more people will vote. It's pretty simple. Lerner says she does wish, though, that turnout rates, even in years with fewer races, were higher. But she says early voting can play an important role in fixing any glitches in the system. And we have examples of how that actually helps solve problems before we get to election day. We have one county that had a problem with their electronic poll books on the first day of early voting. Voting started uh, approximately what I understand 45 minutes late in that county, but they're able to solve the problems. With next year being a presidential election year, early voting and election day voting rates are expected to be much higher. In New York, U.S. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand's seat will be up for election, as well as all 26 U.S. congressional seats and all state Senate and Assembly posts. In addition, voters will have another option beginning next year. A new law expands the state's limited absentee balloting to now allow nearly anyone to request 
request a mail-in ballot. Lerner, with Common Cause, says she hopes that the change will increase voter participation. Vote by mail, I think, is going to make a very significant difference for a lot of voters, having that option um, to allow them to figure out how it's best and most convenient for them to vote. So that's a big change. The State Board of Elections McGrath says staff are already preparing for mail-in voting, which will begin with the presidential primary in April. The exact procedures of how that will work are still being finalized, but will very closely mirror um, absentee in terms of application and uh, submitting the ballot. The mail-in balloting law is being challenged in court, though. A lawsuit led by Republican Congresswoman Elise Stefanik contends that mail-in voting violates New York's Constitution. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. And thank you to Karen DeWitt and New York Public News Network for that report. And uh, right now, and this is, by the way, uh, special election night coverage from the local edition. We will be going until 7 o'clock tonight and right now we're going to go to our first live guest reporting for the river reporter we have ruby rayner hazelcorn ruby thank you so much for joining us oh one moment i brought up the wrong thing hold on (laughs) try that again ruby are you there okay thank you so much for joining us yeah of course thank you so much for having me Great. So, um, what are what were you looking at today on election day? Where did they have you reporting? You out towards the western end of the county? Yeah. So I was out today um, at two of the voting sites: one in the town of Tustin and one in the town of Highland. Um, and I talked to uh, election inspectors at both, as well as um, a bunch of different different voters after they voted. So, what what were you hearing from folks? Yeah, so I asked, I asked everyone, um, you know, what brought them out to vote. And um, mostly overall people responded with just kind of an obligation to their civic duty. Um, they believed in, in voting. A lot of people say they vote every year regardless. Um, in Highland, there was definitely some feedback from voters that they voted specifically because of, um, you know, town issues. And um, interestingly enough, one um, voter also mentioned kind of the necessity to vote because of national issues that were happening and just feeling like it was more urgent um, because of more national issues. And she gave the example of uh, banning books. So she said not that that's happening in this town, um, but that it made her feel like it was an important to vote, even though um, there was only local and state elections, not, not federal. Wow, that's interesting. So, like, their their feelings about uh, national issues spur them to vote locally. That's yeah, it seems like it. Cool. Um, what and how did it how did it look when you were there? Like, what were you seeing? Did they? I, I realize you 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 might be new to these polling places, but were were they busy? Was it? A, did it look like a high turnout? A low turnout? Was it hard to tell? Yeah. So, first of all, it was a beautiful day, which was nice was in the nice. River Valley. So it was very sunny. Um, and definitely good turnout. Um, in Highland, there was very high turnout. At around um, 1 o'clock, a little after 1, already 378 people had voted, which is a good number. Um, the poll election inspector said um, that that was pretty high. And similarly in Tustin, there was pretty high turnout, um, especially for an off year. So it was looking good. Yeah, that, that does happen people sometimes. People were excited. Yeah, people like seemed just energetic to be there and 
um, one grandmother brought her granddaughters and was kind of sharing the experience with them. Uh, yes, because excuse me, Ruby. This is Patricio. Um, you know, the, you're talking about one of the few races that we have in Sullivan County. There, that is being contested as far as the supervisors goes. Uh, you know, most of the supervisor races are uncontested in Highland. You have uh, the supervisor race is being contested there, but not in Tustin, right? Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. Right. So you know, you say uh, a lot of folks within Highland were there for the, I guess, more national issues and more local issues. Then it seems like. Yeah, well, that was just one person who mentioned that. Um, and I will say, um, just based on it, I interviewed probably about 10 voters in, in each place. Um, so just based on that, and in Highland, people definitely mentioned um, being there at the polls because of things that were happening in the in the town as well. Um, whereas I feel like in Tustin, where there was there's less contentious um, races, people were there just uh, mentioning out of civic duty and because they vote every year. So you could see where... The places that were more competitive, definitely um, people were tuned into that, and it was something on their mind while they were voting. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, the contested races, there are very few of this in, as far as the supervisor races go in Sullivan County there, and um, people were taking their, their civic duty seriously and uh, looking to vote and see who's going to be the next supervisor for the town of Highland. Yeah, definitely. And there was definitely more, you know, more people had voted in Highland at 1 o'clock than people had voted in Tustin at 1.30. So it seemed like there was a little bit more of a, of a turnout there. You were uh, reminding me that uh, I did not put on my I voted sticker because when I when I vote, this is getting really nerdy about it, but I write down which voter number I was on my sticker so I don't forget. So in White Sulphur Springs, I was the 125th voter, and that, right. was, that was around 1 p.m. Uh, today, uh, 12.31 p.m. So um, any, any other questions for Ruby? No, just like I said, this is your first time uh, covering an election in Sullivan County. As a reporter, how was it for you? Uh, it was great, yeah. It's just really great to see everyone um, kind of excited to to vote and excited to get out and make their voice heard. Um, and I saw my first bald eagle since being here, which seemed oh, very cool. um, kind of perfect for the perfect for election day. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. Um, and I guess this is where we could let folks know, too, that, Ruby, you'll be joining us on tomorrow night's local edition for our weekly news roundup with The River Reporter, and we'll go over some uh, election results at that time. Yep, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and thank you so much for your Election Day coverage here for us. Of course. Thanks, guys. That was uh, Ruby Rayner Hazelcorn, uh, reporter with the River Reporter, joining us live. This is just the beginning of our local election night coverage here. We're going until 7 o'clock. Stay with us. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Support comes from Jeff Bank, Sullivan County's Community Bank, celebrating 110 years of service this year. Offering deposit and loan products for all your banking needs. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. National Mortgage Licensing System and Registry Identification Number 405318. 
Jeff Bank, still banking strong. And support comes from listeners like you who donate at WJFFradio.org. Your NPR station for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. This is Radio Catskill. All right, welcome back to special election night coverage here on the local edition on Radio Catskill. I'm Jason Dole. Patricio Rabayo is here. And joining us on the phone right now, we've got Philip Pantuso, managing editor for Times Union Hudson Valley Bureau. Philip, thank you for joining us on election night. Happy to be here. So uh, did you actually get out yourself to any polls? I did. I am wearing my I Voted sticker on my sweater right now. It is not the Spaghetti Monster, but it's still a lovely illustration. <laughs> ah, the Spaghetti Monster. Well, what were you seeing? How did it look uh, to you where you voted? Uh, 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 high turnout, low turnout, or not, hard to tell? Hard to tell. I voted um, at about 4 p.m. in my district in Midtown Kingston. Um, there were about a dozen or so other people, and... Um, I could tell that, I mean, just chatting briefly with some of the poll workers, um, you know, several hundred people had come to that poll site, which is, you know, far from the only one in the city. So I expect turnout will be pretty high for for Kingston, given that uh, the the mayor is on the ballot. There's a number of ballot proposals that people are interested in. um, And, you know, as is the case with with all of Ulster County, they're electing new uh, town leadership both for their their council uh, and, uh, you know, mayor or supervisor. And what about county leadership uh, in Ulster County? How is that on the ballot? So um, Jen Metzger is running technically for county executive. It's it's a mere formality. She is unopposed. Um, Listeners might remember she won a special election last year to um, replace Pat Ryan, former county executive who was elected to Congress himself in a special election. So um, not much debate about what's going to happen there. Um, The race that we're um, kind of most interested in is the district attorney. Um, That is pitting uh, a current chief assistant assistant district attorney, um, Manny Neji, against the former ADA, Mike Kavanaugh. in what's become a really heated race. There's a lot of outside spending that's poured into that um, campaign. Um, so th- that's going to be an interesting one to watch. Um, the the county is also an, electing new legislators. About half of those seats are unopposed. So there's not too much mystery there, um, you know, unless something quite shocking happens. Democrats will maintain control of the county legislature here in Ulster. And what else are you keeping an eye on uh, in for the Hudson Valley? What 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 else is noti- notable and something that you're going to be looking for in the results uh, out of today? Um, a couple of things I think jumped to mind. We're, we're tracking all of the races in the Mid Hudson Valley and in the Capital Region over at, at TimesUnion.com. Um, so I've kind of got my eye across a lot of things, but the things that are jumping out are. Um, well, one, one in particular is uh, the mayoral election in the city of Poughkeepsie. Um, we, that, that pits Anthony LaRocca, the Republican candidate against a Democratic councilwoman, Avon Flowers, 
who won um, a pretty hotly contested primary earlier this year. Um, the voter enrollment in the city of Poughkeepsie in particular leans Democratic, so we expect Flowers is going to win that race. But why it's interesting to me is because she would be um, the first black mayor in, this, in the whole entire history of the city of Poughkeepsie, which is notable given that um, the Poughkeepsie is, uh, has a sizable black population. So that, that would be a historic moment if it happens um, and, and something we're definitely keeping our eye on. Wow. And so, and so there's mayor races in Poughkeepsie and also Kingston that, that you mentioned. Yep. And in, uh, in a few other places too, Newburgh, um, the incumbent Torrance Harvey is the favorite there. Um, Beacon is electing a mayor. Port Jervis is electing a mayor. Um, a lot of places are electing supervisors too, including um, Woodstock, where the favorite, Bill McKenna, um, won the primary earlier this year, even though he said he was not campaigning. Um, he is, he's facing a challenge, a third-party challenge, from uh, Bennett Ratcliffe, who is a councilman there in Woodstock and who challenged him in the primary. And, and um, if anybody remembers, that was a, a, compl- a really, really kind of ugly campaign over the summer where the two of them were calling each other names. They had wild disagreements over a number of issues in the town, most notably um, a sizable landfill that um, contains construction and demolition debris that's become a huge issue of concern about how it might be affecting the the city's or the town's water. Um, You know, McKenna is likely to win that, but that's another sort of town leadership race we're watching. All right, great. Well, I, I thank you for going over all this with you, and I think we're going to have you on Thursday on Thursday, yeah. right? And so we can we can talk a little more about the the latest news from the Hudson Valley, and maybe some of these results might be interesting as well at that point. For sure, I'll talk to you all then. All right, thanks so much, Philip Pantuso from the Times Union's Hudson Valley bureau, and uh, they are tracking election results at timesunion.com. Election day is about uh, representation. It's about local community. And then also, um, you know, we, it's also about food sometimes, depending where you go to vote. Uh, you know, there might be some donuts, there might be some uh, baked goods or a bake sale going on, or there might be soup. And in Calicoon, there was a lot of soup at the Delaware Youth Center where Calicoon residents were voting today. I went there, took a microphone, and uh, I talked to some folks about soup. Well, I'm Julie Pizal. We're at the Calicoon's the Calicoon Youth Center, where they have the election, and we're with the Kiwanis Club, and we have our soup festival. What's a soup festival? The space has seats in the middle where folks are eating soup, and then the whole place is ringed by tables full of crockpots. That's right. We have about 27 different soups. The Kiwanis Club members make the soups. All the restaurants make the soups. And we have, some people have their favorites. You can come down, you can sit down, all for $10, and try every soup if you want. Stay all day, try all the soups and it comes with rolls and dessert. And if you want takeout, they're three for $10, including the rolls and dessert. I was just going to ask because I can't stay all day, so I was hoping there's a takeout option. That's right. And some people come and they try them. If they like them, they take them home for dinner, too. Kiwanis Club, they have the literacy partners in with the Kiwanis Club. And all of the proceeds today go to buy books for every elementary student, pre-K through sixth grade, 
at the school. So that's where all this money will go. And twice a year, actually next week, all the kids can go and pick out a book at the school. Wow, that's great. Okay, cool. So uh, here's the hardest question I'm going to ask you, right? What's your favorite? Well, I happen to like them all, but I like the lobster bisque. And i got to say, the Villa Roma makes a delicious lobster bisque. Wow. But all the restaurants make good soup. And Fred Stabber, he makes the best clam chowder. That's very popular, too, the Manhattan clam chowder. Everybody has their favorite. There's a seafood chowder people like, too. Wow. So, and we're here till all the soups are sold out or 7 o'clock, whichever comes first, 11 to 7. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us, and best of luck. Thank you very much. Okay, i got to get some soups to go, so I'm going to walk around real quick and tell you what soups we got here. Sausage and tortellini, compliments of Job Corps. Lentil kale, compliment of Ollie Gray's. That one's vegan. The sausage kale of Rafter's Tavern. Another vegan lentil, the Calicoon Creek House. I love this table. we got cheddar broccoli, spinach soup, and broccoli cheddar. And that one's compliments of Pex. Sweet potato ginger curry, which, oh, that sounds good. Compliments of the Calicoon Brewery. Lobster bisque from the Villa Roma. Chicken Thai. Do you know where that came from? No, but it's good. Okay. Ukrainian mushroom soup. Ham and potato. Chicken soup. Pea soup. Chicken noodle. Butternut squash. Black bean hamburger soup. Hamburger soup. Manhattan clam chowder. Chicken orzo. Chili. And a seafood chowder that you can smell clear across the room, but Julie says it's popular. We gotta submit this for an award. <laughs> so that was uh, that was the scene earlier today at the Delaware Youth Center. I have more audio uh, from the soup festival. We'll get people's reactions to the soups, but uh, we do have more serious election coverage to get to here as well. And help us with that. Up next, it's Derek Kirk, editor for Sullivan County Democrat, joining us live. Derek, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. Excited. Uh for the polls to stay open and uh, for people to keep their ballots flowing in, but doing pretty good. Did you happen to go to any polling places today? I sent a few reporters out, and they, you know, they noted that people were uh, streaming in and out. Um, you know, uh, remaining busy. A lot of people, um, you know, looking to make their voice heard. Right, right. Did you get? Did any of them get any kind of food? Because we were just talking about the soup that was there in Calicoon. Oh, well, you know our office is right next door, so we, we were able to sneak by and get some of that uh, some of that good soup. But we did note uh, that that polling place in the town of Delaware also, you know, besides the, the draw of the soup, was pulling in, you know, a number of people looking to uh, cast their ballot. Great. So decent, decent turnout uh, in, in these local places. Now, you're getting ready to uh, go wait for results to come in. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Numerous members of both the Republican Party and the Democratic Committee are excited for today's tally at the end of the day. So the groups are gathering in White Lake and their respective locations uh, tonight for ballot watch parties. So myself and my staff writer, Alex Keelar, will uh, be in attendance and to try to get the mood and uh, see what uh, the candidates are feeling as, you know, uh, the tickers start uh, counting up. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, you know, this is a big local election. I noticed that not a lot of the supervisors are, uh, the supervisor races are unopposed, but of course, everyone's eye is focused on the legislature's uh, race here. We have all nine seats are up for grabs. Uh, only two seats are running, uh, you know, unopposed. Uh, all the seats are have, uh, has a challenger. But getting, like I said in the beginning, some of the big races that folks are looking for is District 1 with Rob Doherty and Matt McPhillips. And the other one, I think, believe it's Cat Scott. The other one is District 9 with uh, George Nicolatus. Um, so it's really been, uh, you know, 
I I if, I can't remember in my recent memory if there's been such a such a competitive rate competitive election year, especially with the local races, because in the past a lot of times a lot of folks do run unopposed. Uh, but in this last stage race, uh, it seems like every seat except except for two has a challenger. So, uh, you know, what what is your take in this past year with the election um, and and these election campaigns that we've been seeing? Right. So I think, you know, most people who've been paying attention have noted that uh, a lot of the legislature seats have, uh, you know, the race for these have been boiling up um, over the past year. And I would say, you know, a couple of years um, as well. Uh, and these elections are you know, a large deal for the future of the county for the next four years. Um, the results will determine whether the county legislature will uh, be headed toward with uh, the future with a Democratic majority or maybe uh, maintain their uh, um, Republican uh, majority. Uh, you know, um, it's, it's been a, uh, a large push for a lot of the candidates. Um, and their efforts have definitely been noticed and seen, especially, you know, as we've been uh, inching towards election night tonight. Well, of course, the the Democrat has an, an article up with the headline, Local Elections Marked by Few Competitive Races, and then you kind of go uh, town by town, and that's something that you're seeing that when it gets down below the county level where there is some competition, at least in a majority of the districts, at the town level for some of these town offices, uh, you're seeing lots of folks uh, running unopposed. Yeah, a lot of the town uh, towns, um, they are seeing, uh, apparently, you know, pretty, uh, um, satis- satisfa- uh, satisfactory, you know, feelings for their local, uh, officials. Um, you know, w- with the 15 townships that we have, I'm not quite sure at the top of my head how many are uncontested. Um, but it is definitely an, um, a minority. Uh, so I think that speaks to, um, at least on the town level, uh, the, you know, um the uh the satisfaction of uh, what their townships are doing for folks, them folks are in favor of the incumbents the people that are already in office and then presumably the job they're doing it would appear so yeah yeah great 